This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. Welcome. Anybody still cold? Well, listen, today we are in the second week of a series that we kind of kicked off last week called Blueprints. And the design of this series is really to kind of build on uh, an idea that we started uh, building in the beginning of the year that normal is not working. And so uh, we're kind of building on that right now by talking about marriage and relationships. And last week, I I, I kind of made a statement in one of our um, points that we walked through. If you didn't get to listen to last week's message, I'd encourage you to go online and do that. But one of the points that we made was that marriage is not designed to be a contract. It's designed to be a covenant. And I told you that we would come back this week and really spend most of the time this week unpacking that statement. Now, here's what I want you to understand ahead of time. There's sometimes when I'm studying ahead of time in, 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 the, in the week, I, I'm, I'm so stoked because I know that the message is going to be really fun, right? Because it's been fun to study. This has been one of those weeks that this message has just straight up wore me out. I mean, I'm talking this has worked me over, taking me back to school. Because even though there are things, that the passages of Scripture that we're going to look at, I've studied so much. But even though we've looked at it before, that doesn't mean we've seen everything that's there. And so today, it's my prayer that God would lead us out of a broken perception of what relationships should be like and that he would leverage for us an opportunity to be something different. Because normal's not working, guys. Let's look at the, the really a comparison between what a contract and a covenant is. The first thing, let's examine a contract. A contract is an agreement where you try to limit your responsibilities, limit your responsibilities, and protect your rights. A great example of a contract is a lease, right? When you go into a lease agreement, you really want to limit your responsibilities. I will pay my rent, but if the hot water heater goes out, you're fixing it. All right, I will pay my rent and I want to protect my rights. If I pay my rent, I get to stay in this place. All right, you can't come in and kick me out if I pay my rent. I have a lease contract with you. It's a great way to understand what a contract is. But a covenant is really flip-flopping the perspective. A covenant is an agreement where you assume all responsibilities and give up all of your rights. And some of y'all are going, I don't want that kind of thing. Give up all, all of my rights, assume all the responsibilities. But think about this with me. When Jesus passed the cup at communion, what did he say? This is a new covenant that is given to you in my blood. Jesus was the person who assumed all the responsibilities for our sin. He took it to the cross. He laid down all of his rights. He's the king of heaven. 
And he came in the form of something that he was created to be brutally murdered for our sin. See, the truth is, is that if we look around today, what's normal? Well, normal in the case of marriage in our culture is to live in a contract marriage. To live in a contract marriage because, and I would say that this is just leveraging the way that we think about things, we're living in contract marriages because what's normal in Christianity is that normal Christians are contract Christians. Oh, I know, and I mean, this is tough. It's where we go, God, I love that part about you loving me. No matter what I do, you're going to love me. I love that. That love my enemy stuff, I ain't doing that. Oh, God, you're going to bless me? I love that part. But, God, you want me to bless other people? I ain't going to do that. It's a contract. And the truth is we'll never be able to live in a covenant with a person until we first embrace the covenant relationship that God has offered us in His Son, Jesus. So today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to walk you through what it would look like to transition from living in contract to living in covenant. Let me just go ahead and say, every single one of y'all are going to get mad at some point, all right? Because I did when I went through this. But sometimes we need to come face to face with truth that's not comfortable. Because that's what produces change. So let me give you three things that we need to do if we're going to move into covenant. The first is that we need to recognize that covenant leaders have fewer rights. Covenant leaders have fewer rights. Let me just give you a simple illustration for that. All right? As the pastor of this church, the larger that our church grows, the less rights I have. Because when my wife go out on a date, we, we sit down, invariably somebody from our church is going to sit down in the restaurant close to us. No matter, even if I ask them to tuck us away in the back, somehow it's always going to happen. So you know what right I don't have anymore? When the waitress screws up the order for my food, I can't get mad about it. Y'all can. Y'all can do it, but I can't anymore. Think about it. In, in this organization, if anything goes wrong, whose fault is it? It's my fault. I don't care if it happens down the hall in the nursery, during setup. I don't, I, even if I wasn't around, it's always going to be my fault because I, as the leader, have less rights. Number two, we need to understand that covenant is not comfortable. In just a moment, we're going to look at Genesis when God first drafted the covenant between a man and a wife. We're going to see that covenant is not comfortable. Think about this with me. How did God create Adam? He did it out of the dust of the ground. How did God create Eve? He cut Adam. 
See, God could have looked and said, from the dust of the ground I will create your wife, but he didn't. He took the man and he cut him, and it was painful. And I want you to understand this, that covenant is always uncomfortable, and far too many of us have had for relationships is that we would live in covenant with one another. And until we do that, there will always be an itch that's not being scratched. It will always be unfulfilling. And so what I want to do today is I want to help you understand what does it mean that in the context of our marriages, in the context of our relationships, how are we going to lay down our rights And how are we going to pick up the responsibilities that we need to? Y'all ready to go? All right. Over the next few minutes, let me give you some advice, all right? This marriage talk is not for your spouse. All right, some of y'all sitting next to him going, man, I'm so glad my husband's here today. He needs to hear this. All right. All right, I know some of y'all husbands going, man, I'm glad my wife came to church with me this morning. Man, she needs this one. It's not for, it's for you. If you're single and you're here today, understand this, that the Bible describes our relationship with God as if we're married to him. He calls the church the bride of Christ. Everything that I'm about to go through has a direct connection to your relationship with God. Y'all ready to get started? Genesis chapter 2, laying down my rights, beginning in verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. Y'all think about that moment. Adam has never seen a girl before. Ever. And all of a sudden, he wakes up, and there is a woman. And she's not just any woman. I mean, like, guys, we know we love our wives. But that first moment, imagine having never seen a woman before. It's one of those moments, right? And Adam says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man.
point out what is like a marriage vow. It is what we should be saying to our spouse, to the people that we love. Under priority, and this is in your notes, I give you the right to be the first priority in my life and to protect that place against anything that you perceive as competition. Let me tell you today that on earth, relationally, materially, there should be nothing that comes before your spouse. Your spouse is number one. There should not be a best friend that you confide in. There should not be a work fellow that you confide in more. There should not be a family member that you talk to and share with more than your spouse at all, ever. They're number one. And we need to give them the ability to protect that right. They should be able to say, hey, I see your heart drifting towards this. And I'm scared that it's taking away my spot in your life. And we need to be able to have those kind of conversations because you can't always see what's happening. Last week I told you this and I just want to remind you. If you want to kill your relationships, you want to kill any of them, just go out and be selfish. You want to suck the joy out of your relationships, just go out and be selfish. You want to take the joy that other people are living with out of their, their lives relationally with you, just go be selfish. Because selfishness will kill a relationship. And we need to learn to lay down the right to be the priority. Number two is possession. The right of possession. We need to give up the right to own our time, our talents, and our treasure. Read this commitment with me. I give you the right to co-own and co-administrate everything in my life. Everything in my life. What is Genesis 2.24 said? It said that the two will become one. That's marriage covenant. That means that you lose you. Whatever you is, whatever your identity, your perspective, you lose you. The two become one. Can I, can I help you just paint a, a real quick picture as to what this means for you? This means that in a covenant marriage, there is no, it's your time, it's my time. It's our time. And you don't get to spend time the way that you want to. We get to spend time the way that we decide. There is no, it's your, it's your money, it's my money. That's not how it works. In a covenant relationship, it's our money. I don't care if one spouse makes the majority of the money. I don't care. In a covenant relationship, it's our money. And y'all listen to me. There's no it's your kids, it's my kids. It's our kids. 
do you give up the right to own when the two become one? And number three, the right to privacy. The right to privacy. Do you know where that, that little passage goes next? In Genesis 2.25, the Bible says that they were naked and not ashamed. That they were together and there was not even a millimeter of clothes between them. There was no privacy. And the truth is, is that in marriage, God designed covenant relationship to be the most intimate relationship we'd ever experience on earth. No privacy. Look at what this statement, this commitment says. I give you free and unhindered access to every part of my life. I give you the right to complain and to confront me in any issue without fear of retaliation. That means there is no, it's my phone, it's their phone. We don't look at each other's phone. There is no, they don't check out my internet browsing activity. That means that there is no, it's my money, it's their money. You don't get to look at what I'm spending and how I'm spending the money. There is no privacy. Because covenant, while it's not thoroughly convenient, it is intimate. See, we have to choose to let go of those rights, but we have to also choose if we're going to live in covenant relationship, we have to choose to pick up the responsibilities that go with the covenant. Because Jesus laid down the rights to be the king of heaven. He came to earth, but he picked up the responsibility of our sin. And so we're going to fast forward to Ephesians 5, the premier passage in all the New Testament on the covenant of marriage. And I want you to look at how the Bible shapes our understanding of the responsibilities that we're to live in in the covenant of marriage. Let's read, beginning in verse 21 and further. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of his body, the church. And the, Christ sub and the church submits to Christ. So wives should submit to your husbands in everything, in everything. That's a really tough passage for us. For husbands... This means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. He gave up his life for her. To make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one 
hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect the husband. We're going to go through three responsibilities that we need to choose to pick up. Three responsibilities in a covenant marriage that we must choose to pick up. And the first responsibility is to love. The first responsibility is to love. Listen to Romans 5.8. Listen to this. God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God demonstrates his love. Love is not a notion. It's not an idea. It's not an emotion. It's a demonstration. It's an action. God demonstrated his love that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, some of us are waiting for that moment that we feel loved to respond in love. But let me just tell you ahead of time, Christ took the initiative. He went before we ever thought about going. He loved first. So read this commitment with me. I assume the responsibility to love you according to the standard of Christ's love and to never justify any action or word that falls to a lower standard. Can I help you for a moment? The standard to which you are to love your spouse is not what you think love is. It's what God says love is. And there are too many of us who have given ourselves to trying to love our spouse the way we want to be loved, the way we define love. And your spouse might be saying to you, love for me looks a lot like you with a broom in your hands. And you're saying, no, that's not what I want. That's not how I want to love you. But your spouse is saying that. And if you love them and you've given up your rights and assume the responsibility to love them, you're going to love them the way they need to be loved because God has loved you that way. Number two, we're going to pick up the responsibility to honor We're going to pick up the responsibility to honor. Read this with me. I assume the responsibility to honor you and to do everything possible to help you achieve your highest potential and follow God's plan for your life. Can I tell you something that's very difficult? It's really difficult. 
to dishonor your spouse and love God at the same time. It's really hard. Because the way that we treat our spouse in Scripture, especially as we read through Ephesians 5, is so just connected to the relationship that we have with God. And it often happens that I'm sitting around hanging out with guys, and guys will go, man, I love Jesus. Man, I'm, getting, I'm starting to read my Bible. And in the next breath, they're bad-mouthing their wives, dishonoring them. I'm not talking about having a, a, a good conversation with your wife about something that's important. I'm talking about publicly humiliating somebody. And when you do that around me, the first thing that goes through my mind is what you said at first about loving Jesus, I'm not sure if that can be true. And it's the same thing that we see, you know, on Facebook where... A wife will drop that really cutesy kind of Bible verse and, you know, five minutes later slams her husband. It's not honoring. Let me just say this. Wives, I said last week that God never gives you permission to kind of enforce his standard onto your husband. But maybe the reason your husband's never stepped in the position that you know God's called him to be is because you've never honored him to be that man. And husbands, maybe the reason that your wife has never been the wife that you know God's called her to be, but you've seen her struggle through those things is because you have failed to honor her as that kind of a wife. See, honor empowers us to be the people that God has called us to be. And we need to pick up the responsibility to honor our spouse. And the last one that we need to pick up is the responsibility to submit. See, when I was a, a younger guy, I got really caught up in Ephesians 5 on that passage where it says, wives, submit to your husbands and everything. I love that one, right? Husbands love that. We love to drop that one on our wives occasionally. But do you realize that that whole passage opens up in discourse in Ephesians 5.21 where the apostle Paul says, you too submit to each other. You need to both submit. If you're not submitting, both of you, this won't work. Now, there are priorities that are given throughout that text as to what our submission should look like, but we need to both be in submission. So read this statement with me. I assume the responsibility to serve you by first submitting my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and by surrendering to His Word as a standard for my life, our marriage, and family. You see, for us to live in a covenant of marriage the way that God wants us to, to walk away from a contract way of relating to each other, we have to first get it right with Jesus. 
And I know that there are some of y'all that are in here today and you're going, I, I, I'm, I'm scared of this. Because my spouse is not the, they're not connected to Jesus. Maybe they've ran from God. Maybe they don't even know Jesus at all. You see, in every covenant relationship, there's a partner in that covenant that's described as being a redeemer. You see, we're kind of considered a redeemer when we take a coupon to the store and we get the value of that coupon. That's redeeming that coupon. But there's a person in a covenant who is the first person to step up and say, I will redeem this covenant. I will put the value in this. Because isn't that what Jesus did for us? That while we were still sinners, Christ came to earth, gave himself to die for our sins. So that a covenant could be drafted that we could never have written. Where he gave up all of his rights. Assumed all the responsibility for our failure. And now he's invited us to live the same way. I want you to think about the culture of a contract marriage compared to the culture of a covenant marriage. What do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a home where you're constantly pointing fingers and blaming someone? Or do you want to live in a home where people have chosen to selflessly love each other? In worship guide today, I drafted what I call a marriage contract. I'd like to read this with you. Some of these are funny. It's okay to laugh at them. In our marriage, we'll split everything 50-50. You do your part and I'll do mine. This way, I'll never have to take full responsibility for any failure in our relationship. I retain the right to expect you to do things for me. Some of these things I'll tell you. Some of them I won't. I will look out for me. You look out for you. If we both do this, we'll be taken care of. You pay part of the bills. I'll pay the rest. We'll keep separate accounts so we don't have to communicate about our finances and you can't see what I'm buying. We'll both retain the right to our own set of friends. You don't need me telling you who to spend time with, and it's not your business who I associate with. Both parties will retain the right to complete privacy. You cannot look at my internet history, my phone, or through my things. We will retain the rights to our own opinions, no matter what the opposite party feels or thinks. Both parties will reject the responsibility to have a difficult conversation about things that are sinful and broken in the other's lives. So by committing to these, we contractually obligate ourselves to each other in marriage. 
If the other party violates these or other rules, the contract will be terminated. Is that the relationship you want to live in? Is that how you want to live? Because it's how many of us are living. Literally every single statement in that is taken from a couple that I've had to counsel before. And it's broken. It's lost and it's hurting. It's rupturing households because you can't live in a contract. You can live in a covenant. See, just like Jesus who looked at us when we had blown it and chose to love us anyway, covenants are always bound together by grace, love, and mercy. So I want you to decide. I want you to look at this and decide today. Is this how you want to live? Is this the kind of relationship you want at home? Because if it's not, I'm going to invite you to do something today. I'm going to invite you to take this contract and ball it up. And on your way out today, there's going to be trash cans up here. And I want you to look at this for the next few minutes. And I want you to realize that this is a statement of saying, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm not going to live in a contract with my spouse. I'm not going to live in a contract with you, God. I'm going to live in a covenant. I'm going to lay down all my rights. I'm going to assume the responsibility. And I'm going to go for it. And I want you to throw it away today as we leave as a statement to him of commitment. Let's pray. God, thank you for the grand invitation that you've offered to us to live in a covenant. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who took up all the responsibility for all of our sin, who bore all of our failures, laying down his rights to become our redeemer. So today, God, for many of us, we're not living in covenant relationship because we're not living in covenant relationship with you. And so, God, let us look to you today. Let us look to you as that relationship that is absolutely vital for us to live life the right way. So with nobody looking around, everything quiet, let me ask you this question. Are you living in a covenant with God today? Have you laid aside all of your rights and accepted the responsibility of following him? Because maybe today would be the day that God is calling you to step forward into that kind of a relationship with him. If you say, that's me, I want to live in a covenant with God and I'm not, raise your hand right now. That's me. Who else? Who else? I want to live in that kind of relationship. Forget about who you're sitting next to. Forget about what you had happened to you this morning. Who else wants that kind of relationship with God? So God, for those hands that just went up, 
those lives that say that they want that. God, do it. Take them, receive them as your children, your loved. God, reconcile them to you through the redemptive power of the cross of Jesus. God, we thank you for this moment. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.